0: Okay, how do we start the show again? Hi, I'm Eric. Oh, and I'm Brittany. And we are... For Colored Nerds.
1: The conversations that black people have...
0: When white people aren't in the room.
1: But we record them.
0: And we put them on the internet.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Wel- welcome back, Brittany.
0: Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank so, you, thank you, thank
1: you, thank you. While you were gone, we had Lola from Mhm girl.
0: Mhm, mhm, mhm girl.
1: Yeah, okay. On the show, who mm-hmm. did an awesome job, I proposed to her that you don't come back. <laughs> 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 no, but uh but no, we had a good talk, but uh yeah, I'm glad I'm actually I'm actually I'm actually
0: glad glad to see you. That's so weird. It's funny cuz you say you're glad to see me. you've seen me five times since I well, I'm glad vacation. it's
1: good to it's good to have you back in the booth.
0: Thank you. It's yeah. good to be here. I will say New York is not Puerto Rico. <laughs> that, I mean that's very <laughs> not true. Not at all. It's, it's not It's a factual statement. But I'm here and I am present.
1: Well, we will imagine that you are happy to be here.
0: I am happy to be here. Uh what I feel like we, I feel like we have something else going on. Oh my God. You're so corny when you do this. Like, I feel like, like, literally, you could be sitting, like, next to Santa Claus and you'd be like, I think, I think there's a holiday going on right now. I think we have a special guest. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think we have a special guest. Well, okay. So for those of you who are local to the New York City area, uh, we are doing our very first for colored nerds live show. Is it was that
1: a was that a good was that a good yeah I think I think it was a good it
0: was okay <laughs> um it was all right um Eric will you want do you want to tell people where and when it is
1: yes we are doing our very first live show as Brittany just mentioned for Colored Nerds live live at the Green Space yes WNYC is the Green Space yes if you will uh, on July fourteenth seven p.m. Thursday night. Get your tickets. Get your tickets. Yeah. Tickets for $15. If you would like to buy tickets as we would hope everyone in the New York area would. Yeah. Uh go to forculinary.com where you will see a nice bright and shiny link to go and purchase those. Uh we really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we really gonna appreciate it. It's going to be fun. It. We have two awesome guests. We are uh bringing back Miss Ashley Ford. Yes. You know Sage for all the times. Yes. And we also have somebody new. A lot of you know him as at Five fifths on Twitter, but Mr. Van R. Newkirk, the second from The Atlantic. So, uh, you know, not only was he basically talent scouted by Tanahasi Coates to write for The Atlantic, he also is the creator of Do Rag History Week. Yes. So it should be a really fun show.
1: Yeah, I I mean, we are really, really fucking excited.
0: Yeah, we are.
1: (laughs) We have put a lot into this. So if you think that that's something that you can take. Like, <laughs> if you can take us being the most lit that is possible for us to be,
0: yeah, you should come. You should definitely come. And also, like, I think my parents are going to come. Your parents are coming? I think so. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited.
1: I'm, I'm glad the stars aligned that we chose the right date to have that line I
0: know, yeah. I know. Yeah, so I'm excited. So Thursday, July 14th, 7 p.m. at the Green Space. Be there. Be square. We're really, we're hyped to see you guys. We're, like, yes. dying to see you guys. Come
1: come meet us. Come join the conversation
0: yeah also they sell alcohol there so like mm. it's gonna have, it's gonna be a good time yeah yeah anyway that's uh that's everything we've got going on now which how you been eric which what, what's you been up to oh, you know, straight i like
1: you know i keep it i keep it i keep it the same you keep it the same i keep it the same i mean i have never shied away from the fact that i'm a corny person who you can set a clock by uh that's the truth so yeah i mean just you know working happy ending Episode of Startup. Ooh. Uh season three, episode seven. Ooh, seven. You might hear a familiar name in the credits. Oh shit. Just saying, my own little plug. Check us out. Uh contributed to some editing for that show. It's for that episode. It's excellent. Uh not just because I was in the room when <laughs> a lot of it was made, but it's excellent. It's it's a great story. So just check that out. I'm excited about it. And yeah, I mean, Sampler's always excellent. So, I'll Thank give you, you those kudos.
0: Yeah, we're still coming out every week.
1: Yeah. So, Woo, check Lord. that out.
0: Uh, but today, what are we what are we talking about today? What are we talking about today? Uh, you actually should you should talk about what we're going to talk about All today because right. you uh, you found it.
1: So, uh, we are, I mean, we are big I wouldn't I wouldn't say film buffs like indicates a level of expertise that I don't think e- either of us would seek out. No. But uh, we are into film you know what I'm saying we really we really both love movies I mean we love all pop culture like media but
0: we do really love movies but
1: we really really love movies Um, so I was really excited to see uh, Slate publish uh, the black film canon and canon is actually a word that we use relatively often on the show but I was really excited to see this when I saw it I was like hmm what is that Uh, So basically, the authors of this piece were Aisha Harris and Dan Kweiss. They brought together a bunch of filmmakers and critics to list the top 50 movies by black directors about black people, basically, of all time. (laughs) Uh, Not a small task.
0: No, not a small task.
1: And, you know, 50 movies is also, like, really... Like, that makes it even harder. Traditionally, I feel like there's the AFI 100 movies, 100, like, laughs and, like, thrills. They have those Yeah, no, lists. yeah, it's true. But like, it's a lot easier to do something that feels comprehensive in 100 movies than it is to do in 50. But they chose 50, uh, and they put together, honestly, a really, really great list. Well, they had
0: good help, though. They, they, yeah. They had, like, their p- list of participants is crazy. It's like, you know, come on Kevin from um, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. Excellent mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, they had Julie Dash who directed yeah. Daughters of the Dust. Ernest Dickerson who's like, Spike's cinematographer. Ava DuVernay, who needs no introduction. Yeah. Um, you know, Skip Gates and, uh, you know, a few of the Franklin Leonard, who I just adore and who I think is so interesting and amazing, who's the CEO of The Blacklist. If you don't know what that is, you need to look it up. They're doing really awesome stuff. Stuff. like they got together a really dope ass group of people yeah. uh who all like who uh, I respect yeah yeah who really talented blood, yeah. and
1: know their shit
0: exactly uh
1: and put together this like this seriously bomb ass list of uh 50 movies like I don't know what were the like what were the few that really stood out to you.
0: I was really glad to see actually Bessie stood stood out to me. Bessie like the 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 one that D. Reese, who her other film Pariah, awesome mm-hmm. movie, was also on that list. D. Reese directed for um, HBO because it was a TV movie. I didn't necessarily see a TV movie like getting on that list, but I was like hype when I saw it.
1: Yeah, there were a bunch that I was like, damn, that's a really good movie. Damn, that's a really good movie. But like, there were a few that I feel like. I appreciate that they tried to choose some films that traditionally don't get recognized. Like, Like, Friday is a movie that is, like, beloved everywhere. But if you're thinking about, like, if you're thinking about a list of, like, great black films by black directors that are review critically you know like yeah. from a artistic standpoint friday doesn't often make those lists but it's an excellent movie it and, is and a, and a really really good it's really well like shot directed and it's really funny like the performances are amazing so you got like friday medicine for
0: melancholy is another one that yeah you don't hear people talk about often <laughs> yeah
1: that i think is really really good uh i was glad
0: i was glad happy to see waiting to exhale <laughs> Honestly,
1: we really have to. We've been talking about it a lot. We, we do need to do an episode on Waiting to, waiting to exhale. Exhale.
0: Yeah. Because, you
1: know, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie. I know. But, like, I appreciate... I think Waiting to, I don't think it's not important. I think it's an important film. Yeah. I just... I'm just not a big fan of it.
0: I mean, you know, that's a personal that's a personal thing. But I was also happy to yeah. see people from, like, I was happy to see African and Caribbean filmmakers. Yes. Like, first of all, Haile Garima had two films on there. Mm-hmm. And he was a professor of mine at Howard University. And just a really great guy. Like, he was, like, he's somebody who... I admired before I had him as a professor, and then like admired even more after I had him, which rarely happens that you admire someone and then you meet them. Yeah. And then after spending time with them, you just think that they're even better. But like, he's somebody who, like, he, I mean, he lives his shit. He said one of my most favorite phrases of all time that, mm-hmm. like, I live by, which is everybody's conscious, but how are we going to eat?
2: Mm.
0: Basically, hey. like, <laughs> yo, like, real, which is like yes. such. That's really real. That's some really <laughs> real shit. But uh, he's an amazing Ethiopian filmmaker. Uh, I also saw Yuzan Palsy, who mm-hmm. is from Martinique, Caribbean Francophone filmmaker. She's just an awesome-ass woman. A, a lot of these people are, like, really, what, like, accomplished and well-educated and are known to people, like, I'd say, in academia, yeah. like, in, like, cinema studies and, like, film academia. But have their names haven't always necessarily made it to the point where they're, like, on the same lists as, like, an Ava DuVernay totally. or, or a Spike Lee. It made me really happy. Like, I thought the list was really well put together.
1: Same, same. Spike, Spike, Spike ran this list though. He like did. Spike has like probably I, I'm assuming six movies on it. It might not be six. It might be like five. I but mean, like, I'm looking at
0: Malcolm X, Mo' Better Blues. I know that Cricklin is on there. I know Inside Man was on there. Do, the right, broke, do on the right thing is Do the right thing.
1: And twenty twenty fifth yeah, hour. Yeah, and the
0: twenty fifth hour. So yeah. yeah, I
1: think that is six. But uh, but yeah, like Spike, and and, and I will say deservingly so but yeah it's, it's a great list I definitely think you should check it out um, also check out uh, so th- that's on Slate mm-hmm. but also check out uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour uh, mm-hmm. which with Linda Holmes they did a small batch episode with Aisha Harris and she talked a lot about uh, how the why they put this together the Genesis it, and mm-hmm. like some of the standouts one of hers is like Love and Basketball which I know mm. we both are big fans of. <laughs> I
0: love that movie Gina Price Bythewood Bythewood well, yeah, yeah. yeah Gina Prince Bythewood Gina yeah. Prince Bythewood my girl
1: yeah but we are actually not dissecting all the films on this list hell today. no <laughs>
0: Hell no. We don't have time for that. Uh,
1: We don't have time for that. And I think, honestly, the people who put together probably do a better job. Uh, That's true. I mean, straight up. But there are two films. Two films. One that each of us selected uh, that we feel like could be on this list. And, you know, we don't think it's like this, you know, gross oversight. No. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. But uh, in just thinking about, like, the black film canon, what, you know, what we often honestly play around with, like, in regular conversation here... There's a couple more. There's probably a few more, a handful more that, you know, we think could have made it. Yeah. Um. So today, we are going to talk about two of those
0: movies. Yes. Yes, the first one is my pick. Yes. Um. Okay, so my pick is Brother to Brother, which is an independent film, came out in 2004, Directed by Rodney Evans, Anthony Mackie was so good in this yeah. film. Um, but he plays like the main character Perry, who is a gay black man living in New York in college. It appears they don't say explicitly that it's Columbia, but it appears it's to be Columbia, Columbia. campus. Um, and he's just trying to figure out his way as an artist, as a young black man, as a young gay man in the good old world that we yeah. live <laughs> in now. But yeah, no. So he's uh, studying to be a painter, and he is going through it. Like his parents don't talk to him because he's gay. Out. Yeah, they they kicked him out of the house. He's always dealing with bullshit from his classmates. Even though I'm like, this is Columbia, but all his classmates yeah. are black people. Yeah. He's also dealing with actually, I can't even like this really fine white boy who is a hot ass mess because yeah. he's like going through some like like sexual orientation There's confusion. Some, in addition
1: to some fetish, fetishation, fetish yeah, you
0: know, fetishization, yeah, fetishization, yeah, yeah fetishization. issues. And also, it seems like he also like had an ex a white ex boyfriend that he's kind of healing from. But while he's in the middle of figuring that out, uh, he meets an older black man named Bruce Nugent who is also an artist who was really popping during the Harlem Renaissance. They get to talking and Perry ends up learning a lot from Bruce uh, about how so many of the things that he deals with now uh, as far as like bullshit from white people, bullshit in academia, um, just – trying to figure out his way as an artist and, like, how hard it is to be young and black and gay in America. Turns out Bruce was dealing with the same shit back in the 20s during the Harlem Renaissance. But, like, with Zora Neale Hurston and, like, Langston Hughes. Yeah, Wallace Um, Thurman. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Wallace Thurman. And so the film goes back and forth and cuts between the present and the past. Sometimes that's a little bit clunky, but overall, I find it really endearing. And Perry and Bruce like form this really genuine friendship.
1: I mean, honestly, I had never seen it before. Uh I heard, like, honestly, I had heard a few times that it's a really good film, but I also heard that it was a really heavy film. Yeah. So it's like one of those things, like, when you're like going through the list, it's like it's missed out a lot of times in terms of what I choose for light or fair. Yeah. But I was really, really glad you chose it because it gave me honestly a really good excuse to like to go back and watch it like with some the attention that it like deserves you yeah know? Uh, but yeah it was really really good like the way they juxtaposed the different times I thought was mm-hmm. really was really well done there like the relationships were also really well done like there was I feel like all the people were real characters yeah like, it was really tight like the cast wasn't very large even though mm-hmm. you had like you were telling like two different time periods yeah and so everybody had a chance to like flesh out like I feel like there, there was a really good approach to like portraying, like even like Langston Hughes and like Zora Neale Hurston yeah. again, like Wallace Thurman. And traditionally, you know, we have these figures in our head, but it's pretty rare that you actually see them on film with any sort of like depth.
0: Yeah, and like affection. Yeah, like not just for the characters, but also the characters having that for each other.
1: Exactly. Because
0: I saw it when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I was one of the original people, really serious about Netflix. I got the DVD <laughs> yeah. in the mail and. I was an art history minor, so we spent a lot of time talking about Har- Harlem Renaissance artists, mm-hmm. and like I had a professor, shout out Raymond Dobard at Howard University, who made sure that I knew everything there was to know about Romare Bearden. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, exactly. that whole like yeah right, so like that whole period, as far as artists were concerned, like was something that I like learned a lot about but like i learned a little bit about kind of how queer everybody was yeah but like being able to see that on film was like it was just really nice it was just kind of like it humanized everybody it was like one of the first films that i saw that really made me feel like queer history is black history yeah. You know what i mean and, and black history is queer history
1: and that's a very big intention of the film yeah like really like showcasing that like The fact that like your sexuality is intrinsically linked to your identity and like not erasing that just because, you know, you're this, quote unquote, larger figure within like the black history narrative. You know, like there's a lot of attempts by it, it, which is it it portrays the attempts sometimes by black people to erase that part of who these people were. Um, And I thought this did a really good job bringing that back to the forefront.
0: Yeah. And I also like, too, that like they called out. Like homophobia among yeah. black people without making it seem like black people were more homophobic than everybody yeah. else, which is like normally like all black people get thrown under the bus. Well, you know, homophobia within the black community <laughs> is a singular issue that no other <laughs> races deal with. Yeah. exactly. It's like we got homophobes, but also like we live in a homophobic world yeah. and everybody else got homophobes, too. Definitely. I like that they like they called it out without positing that black people were somehow Particularly maligned in that sense.
1: Definitely. I mean, it was something that p- people were working through. It was something people were dealing with, and it also showed the fact that this was something that was relatively static throughout time. <laughs> you <know>? And it <laughs> yeah. honestly, I mean, to be real, hasn't changed that much and since. It
0: has not changed that much. Even also, well, I really liked. I sort of understood it like back when I was like in college, but like, like now, <laughs> like I think I'm probably seeing the film probably ten. If I had to guess, like maybe ten or nine years later. Now, as a true grown person, and also just seeing how, like, wokeness is spreading among white people. Yeah. in the me- Yo, like, Rodney Evans, the director, was going in so hard on woke white people. Yeah. It was amazing. Because, like, nothing has changed. Yeah. I think I it didn't really get it so much because I went to Howard also, too, and I was surrounded by black people constantly. So, I would, didn't have, like white people in my classes being like, actually, like, everyone saw there be a white girl who was going too hard on the black arts movement in my English class, and everybody would just kind of roll their eyes at her and be like, girl, like, you're enrolled, (laughs) we get it, like, but, um, just, like, all of the weird, complicated relationships between, especially Perry, the main character, and, like, all of his various white sexual partners and romantic partners, like, it was deep. Like, basically, Rodney, he seemed to me, I don't want to speak on his life, but it seemed to me that he was like, Look, I have been with these white men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not here for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, stay woke.
1: No, it was, uh, it, it did a really good job portraying that I mean just even the, the parallels where I, I thought were like a really good piece in terms mm-hmm. of like going back to even what you said before like you know you can what would you say what was the quote from that professor? Oh
0: from Highly Graham. Uh, yeah. Everybody Conscious but how are we going to eat?
1: Exactly so like you know in the Harlem Renaissance they were to spoil a little bit of the film like uh, you have like Langston Hughes Wallace Thurman Zora Neale Hurston I think Aaron Douglas who was a painter at the time so they get together and they form this like magazine that you know Fire! Yeah that try to like Break convention, if you mm-hmm. will, and just like tell like real stories stories about you know people who are queer, stories about like people who are sex workers, etc. Yeah. It is like panned, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like widely panned, black, white alike, yeah. like nobody fucks with it. Nope. you know, it shows like they're trying to then sell their like individual works, like Sora Neil, Hurston and Langston Hughes and Wild Sermon. They're coming to you know these white publishers, they're like you know, we really love your story <laughs> and we want to <laughs> elevate it. Um, but I think there's just some small changes that we need to make uh, to really make this a bit more mainstream. Like really saying to them, like, are you willing to compromise your art to make it palatable for white people? Yep. And that's something that like, they went through. That's something that, like, Perry went through. That's something, like, people go through today. Today, yeah. Yeah, like, the parallels there were so clear and, uh, like, really, really well done in a way that, like, was scathing but not yeah. heavy-handed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, like, heavy-handed. There were some things about the film that were heavy-handed. True. But also, like, I I felt like the heavy-handedness. Like, there was, like, you know, I mean, also to spoil some of the film, like, there's, like, uh, gay bashing. Yeah like hate crime scene there's like i think a bathhouse scene as pretty popping um there's like the classroom scenes where like uh, perry's receiving a lot of disdain from his classmates the thing is though is that like i want to say a lot of films especially films that deal with intersectional identity they can fall prey to i think a certain ham-fistedness yeah but the thing is though is that like i i have a a theory, Mm -hmm. wherein I think that sometimes when you are so on the margins, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? That you get left out of discourse on a regular basis. A lot of times you can feel like you only have one shot to say everything.
1: And you gotta say it all.
0: You gotta say it all because you can't disappoint where you came from. You can't disappoint your people. You can't disappoint the people that you're doing this for. You can't disappoint yourself. You want to stay principled and all this sort of stuff. So I didn't get the feeling that like some of the heavy-handedness was coming from a place of I got this one shot. I need to say everything I have to say.
1: I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, like, again, like you say, in this particular case, it's not like you're going to get... A lot of movies like this aren't being made, you know? No. I can imagine them wanting to take that time to tell every piece of this story. Like, there are a lot of components, you know? Like, these are complex... Like, intersectionality is a complex thing. Like, there's a lot of pieces to it, you know? So, to try to tell it, and yeah, like you said, to try to get it right, like I imagine... It's not surprising that it comes through like that. But it honestly didn't feel too—it like it didn't feel like too much.
0: Well, it did also, none of it seemed like bullshit. Like, it wasn't no lies yeah. in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Lord knows. Like
0: <laughs> Even the colorism. Yeah. There was, like, a scene toward the beginning where, like, Bruce walks into a restaurant and sees Wallace Thurman for the first time. He's been reading Wallace's— uh, yeah, Like, writing. Yeah, yeah, he's been reading Wallace's writing. He walks in, and he was just like— you know like, dark scan black, yeah, man? he had to acknowledge that because he's high yellow, so is Langston Hughes, and he had to acknowledge like, okay, like this is definitely some and this uh, this is some internalized issues I got yeah. going on here, and I call myself so bohemian and high minded, and I like can't believe that this dark-skinned man wrote this stuff i I liked the call outs in there, and it was also like if you think about this was not twenty sixteen yeah, this was two thousand and four. people were not doing call outs like that, Dude. and I kind of think in context, a lot of that was kind of brave.
1: I agree. I agree. So brother to brother.
0: Brother to brother. I think like, I definitely suggest you run out and see that.
1: It's actually free on Hulu.
0: It is free right now on Hulu with no commercials. Well, I don't know. I I
1: mean, if you got the
0: I don't have commercial free Hulu. Oh what? I'm gonna get it. I was babysitting Eve and I realized there were no Y'all. commercials and I was able to watch so much more T V. It's the way to live. Yeah, I'm it. gonna I'm gonna up my subscription to get commercial. But yeah, you're right. The movies don't have commercials. Yeah, the movies so. don't have I didn't know that actually until I watched Brother to Brother last night. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say like everybody go watch Brother to Brother on Hulu.
1: Yep. <laughs> Let us know what you think. But uh we should stop here and take a quick break. Quick break. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we're back. Uh, but yes. So my pick. Yes. So my pick for uh, the Black Cannon is one that I feel like.
0: I'm excited to talk about this one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> is one that I feel like honestly is kind of a precursor to a film that is on the list. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at like or, or not not a precursor, but kind of in the same vein, Medicine for Melancholy. Yeah. So, Medicine for Melancholy, just real quick, uh-huh. is like uh, this film that was Barry made. Barry Jenkins in like yes, 2008. in 2008. And it's a relatively tightly tightly focused, very like talk, kind of like a rom-com, like dramedy type film where Y.C. Nack and, oh my God, what's her name? She hasn't Tracy been. Higgins. Tracy Higgins are kind of in this situation where they have this one night stand and basically they're trying to figure out like, why did I do this? And they're talking through it. And then, you know, to, to spoil the film, they kind of lead back up to choosing to be with each other again. This like one particular time. yeah. But in between that, there's a lot of talking about like San Francisco, about yeah. black people, about blackness and like. You know, wokeness, if you will. Yeah, being kind of, a hipster.
0: Actually, exactly, yeah. yo, when I think about this movie now in, like, 2016, like, it was released in 2008. Yeah. Like, having been to San Francisco twice in the past year, having knowing black folks in my life who have moved out there and are really unhappy. Yeah. And some who just turned their black asses right around and they moved back to the East Coast. Yeah. And are now living, like, in Harlem. And just, like, even just seeing how, like hipster culture. I can't wait for it to be kind of be over so we can look back on it and wonder what the fuck happened. What we were but thinking. Just, yeah, just seeing how hipster culture interacted with, like, black folks. Yeah. It's just... Really interesting now. Like yeah. that movie was like that movie was ahead of time.
1: But no, I agree. Uh, I think it would do a lot better now. Yeah, I agree. But that film, I mean, and I, I compare it to my pick mm-hmm. uh, because it has a very very tight focus on writing. Like the writing is kind of the, the like the conversations between the, the people that, yeah. are like super important, right? Yeah. But my pick is Have Plenty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. I feel like I feel like a lot of people probably have problems with me choosing this film to be on the list of like the black canon, like the greatest black films. Well, the thing about the film
0: is well, that it's okay. Let me let me go, let me go run through ahead, the thing. Right, We're go, go back go, to because
1: go, go, go I, I know where you're going, and I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong. No, no, go ahead. But, go ahead. Uh, so it was written and directed by Christopher Scott Sharrow in 1998. It's very much an independent film produced. By Tracy Edmonds and Baby Babyface. Face. Yes. Kenneth with,
0: Babyface Edmonds.
1: Yes, with a little help from uh, like Harvey Weinstein back in like the classic Miramax days. Yeah, yeah. Right?
0: Oh, yeah. They just, distri- yeah. They Miramax, Yeah, Miramax Summit, Sundance, and they put that money down.
1: Yeah. And this film is, it's unique. It's a unique movie. Uh, <laughs> but it is about this guy, Lee Plenty, who uh, is this like homeless, unemployed, struggling writer. Uh huh. And his kind of friendship or unrequited love
0: mm-hmm, for slash situationship garbage, yeah
1: yep uh, with his best friend uh Haviland or have savage paid by uh, Chinoa Maxwell, who did a uh, Awesome job, by the way. I think, yeah, like I, her performance is actually probably my favorite.
0: And hers movie. is my is my it's tied. It's tied. But keep going.
1: Okay, so uh, basically, Lee Plenty is this homeless, unemployed writer. He is he is apartment sitting for his friend Havlin, who is like a successful publisher in some sort, something like some, that, something yeah.
0: like that. Bougie um, job having,
1: yeah, yes. <laughs> and she realizes he's not doing anything for New Year's, and basically like invites him down to D.C. Mm-hmm. to spend time. With her family and her friends. Keep in
0: mind, DC in 1998, what did have a, it still had the kind of some sort of stronghold of bougie blackness. Down yeah,
1: there. yeah. I mean, it was Chocolate City. Like I feel yeah. like that that was like it was more Chocolate City back then. Yeah. Than it now. And have is like very much focused on what she thinks her partner should be about. So yes. she's like dating this this like R&B rapper guy played like magnificently by Hill Harper.
2: Harper.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: who like really who also killed it. But basically it's about them like coming to realize whether or not they have this like actual relationship whether or
0: not they're actually in love. Yeah, and over like the course of like the three new days. year's, yeah, yeah.
1: holiday. Again, another, like, really, like, tightly focused film. It doesn't... They're in a million locations, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's relatively, like, focused. Mm -hmm. Heavy focus on, like, the writing and the conversations. Like, it's really all about their dynamic talking to each other. So, this movie is flawed, okay? Well,
0: yeah. I will (laughs) say one of the major flaws, though, just to flag it, is that the guy who like, wrote, produced, and directed it, Christopher Scott Chereau, he ended up having to play the main character. Because yes. The, the, Unexpectedly. The, yeah. The actor that he hired dropped out. Yes. So that does cause for some of the unevenness in the movie is yeah. the fact that he's acting, and he he even knew he was not supposed to be acting.
1: Yeah. I mean, in addition to that, like, he's first-time writer-director, so, like, you know, they're... There isn't as much, there isn't a great deal of polish to it, no. you know? Um, even in, like, the editing, but, like, the timing and things like that. Like, yeah. it's just, a part of that is kind of rough. But it's written, it's written pretty well. Yeah, like, the
0: writing is not bad.
1: The writing is pretty good. In addition, like, for, for being a first-time director, he pulled, like, really good, nuanced performances out of all these, like, relatively, like, new actors. Like, this wasn't when Hill Harper was, like,
0: popping. Popping, yeah. He wasn't, no.
1: Yeah. He like, wasn't
0: the guy <laughs> Best friend in law school, Barack Obama, Hill Harper.
1: Exactly. He was
0: just some light skinned guy with a bald head,
1: right? But yeah, he pulled all these like really good. Like Chinoa Maxwell, I think, gives like a really good nuanced performance. Uh, the big thing that I notice a lot with this movie is like he he breaks the fourth wall a lot. Like you you definitely feel his like interior monologue. But I feel like with everybody else, you really can kind of like. Like, even though the writing is so strong and there's a lot of, like, conversation and talking, there's a lot of silence in the movie. Like, there's a lot of, like, quiet breaks. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear what people are feeling in those breaks. Like, what what decisions they're kind of coming to. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that I really admired about that movie and, like, I'm finding is so much fun about going back and watching, like, The Best Man yeah. and, like, The Wood and all those sorts of things. Like, as I'm in my late 20s, early 30s, like, there's, like, a certain... I can't put my finger on it. It's, like, a really interesting time to be in in life. I guess you felt, like, for so long in, like, most of your 20s, like, okay, it's all starting. It's all happening. But you don't really realize until you get to, like, I think your late 20s, early 30s that, like, oh shit, like all that was prologue yeah, and like this, this is actually it. beginning. Because it's like all the rest of this shit is rehearsal. Like things start to really, I mean, certain things notwithstanding, you know what I'm saying? C- certain circumstances notwithstanding. Shit really starts to count around now. yeah. And that's when you're like, shit, like I'm making these decisions and like getting your heart broken at at like 30 is different than like 23 you know what I'm saying you kind of realize damn I got some years in the game and sort of like I got to play it a little bit smarter and like being in those shoes now and feeling that makes movies like that fun to watch yeah he like does a pretty good job of like making the characters not just seem like they're totally acting out of nowhere
1: totally totally like have is to me again like what I feel like the best character in the film, like to uh-huh. me, she's the only one who actually exhibits any sort of like growth and progression. Yeah, like, like, and this is maybe gets into some of the flaws of the film. Like, uh-huh. very much they, everyone else treats Lee, even though he's like this, like really kind of like self deprecating, like sarcastic asshole type with character a with a perm, with
0: a perm, so <good>. light skin. <laughs> Creole looking man with this perm. I was so confused.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Everyone else, other than Haviland, kind of treats him very much as this like torture genius. Like, they're like, they make a lot of consent. He's like, yeah, I don't have a job. I'm homeless. They're like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. They're like, figure it out. You're going
0: to be big. Everybody's going to know your name.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, with no real, like, proof or work on his part to justify. Well you know and that's where
0: like the ego comes in that I really like that's one of the things that I really enjoyed is that yeah Havlin seems to be the only person who has a proper read on Lee. It's very interesting also to see the movie almost twenty years later when like no shade to Christopher Scott Sherot, but like his film career never really like took off. off, Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that like there's a certain smugness Mm. present uh, like throughout the film is sort of and like even like In the the epilogue or whatever that, like, um, I want to say Miramax made them add on. So basically you have the entire film. There's this ambiguous ending with Lee and Have. That you can tell was the original intended director's ending of the film. Then there's, like, this epilogue, this one year later segment where you can see, obviously, like... The real-life guy, like Christopher Scott Sherrill, he got some money. He's gained a little bit of weight in a good way. Like, he's eating, you know what I'm saying? He got a haircut. He's at the premiere of this film. Dressed a little better. Dressed a little better. And then, like, it mirrors this thing that actually happened in real life where, like, it was a true story. Yeah. And he did have a premiere. And the people who were involved in the story did actually show up. Yeah. And like, actually felt some type of way about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So in the epilogue, like, they show him at the premiere, and then like, everybody who is like characterizing the film is sitting there. And then there's all of these actual stars like playing them. So you have like Nia Long, you have Makai Pfeiffer, you have Chili, you have yeah. Lauren Hill. In '98, that's an all star scene of cameos. And then it ends up where like some babyface and Tracy Edmonds approach Lee at this film premiere. Right as have is professing her love to him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's like a weird like duck out ending. Like the epilogue is weird. And I kind of don't regard it the same way that I regard the rest of the film. Same. I don't know. I just find it really interesting that like that's the epilogue. And that like you can see how he regarded himself.
1: Totally. Like, totally. And it's also interesting in the context of all the movies that were coming out around that time. So this came out, I, I want to say right after Love Jones.
0: I think so, yeah. Love uh, Jones I think was 97.
1: Yeah, so this came out, like, right after Love Jones. Like, love—and you got to understand, like, what Love Jones did. Love Jones was a successful movie. And, like, I feel like one that set a tone for, like, what people really thought—
0: Relationships was going to be like in the
1: 2000s. Relationships were going to be like, (laughs) you know, like, bougie— Oh, yeah. Afrocentric. Yeah. Like, black people were going to be. So, like, you had all these movies that, like— popped out where, like, it was a lot of black people just talking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not a lot of, like, crazy plot devices, but yeah. just, like, you know, just talking about relationships and love, yeah. and, like, this kind of came out in the wake of that. But the movies that came out after it had a lot more polish and sheen, Yes, you know? Yes. Uh, and also probably some, like, actors who were all in all, like, no shade to anybody in the movie, because I actually think it's, it's very well, like, acted. But... Actors who can like chew through a script, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like don't get it twisted. Like, say what you want. Terrence Howard is like,
0: Terrence Howard can act.
1: Terrence Howard can Straight act. Up. Like Tay Diggs is a beast. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody knows how we feel about like Morris Chestnut and Nia Long. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, these people is the reason why we all we all remember them from this period. But like, have plenty because it kind of lacked that polish at the time. I feel like kind of got. Like lost in that,
0: yeah, I think so. Well, also too, like it probably didn't get as wide of a release. Like it wasn't really until Eve's Bayou, which again I will say I mean, not again, but like it probably wasn't until Eve's Bayou, which I'll concede like is extremely polished, that people really cared about black, black independent, independent film. film. Like that was the first black independent film that I really saw on the cover of Jet magazine was Eve's Bayou, um, which I think came out maybe the same year or just after. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, it was either the year before that year or the year. Somewhere between 97 and 99, Eve's Bayou came out. Um, 97, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it came out just before this one. Like, I just don't think that we were that, like, black folks were that hip to, like, the independent track as a means to the mainstream. So I don't really know how many screens Half Plenty was actually shown on. I mean, I will say I watched it, and some of the time I would just be sitting there like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) Yeah, some of the decisions are just, like weird like yeah. like you know like writing staging editing like yeah. you know it's just like a little like off but fair enough it's it was an independent movie it was and his he, first time. I mean, he
0: financed the whole thing yeah, in itself. yeah.
1: and I, I mean i again i thought it was i thought it was pretty good the one thing i do also want to come back to you talked a little bit about it but i want to touch on a bit uh-huh. um it's kind of like it, it very much plays up this like this like torture black male genius. genius yeah
0: oh my god like literally to- check my dating resume please <laughs> please check my dating resume i've dated two men who said that have Play was their favorite movie and i see why now yeah. i really see why
1: i want you to say i love this movie i want to say it's my favorite <laughs> my favorite was mike mo better blues which honestly doesn't do me any favors and talking about this genre <laughs> but true. but it was i mean i thought it was like a great movie but you kind of have to Look out for that trope, like yeah. especially in movies from this time. You know, like there are a lot of those that kind of fall into that. Like, there are even if I mean honestly, even like Best Man and Love Jones really kind of play that up a little bit yeah. too. Uh, less with Best Man, you know, like Tay Diggs' character. Yeah, and
0: everybody of, does play him like the chump that he is. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? He does get his ass whooped.
1: Yeah, but in Love Jones is definitely more like along that line. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it's interesting just going back and like looking at. Again, like what you said, like what people thought relationships were really,
0: really like oh, yes.
1: at this particular point in time. Especially considering who they all thought they were, you know? like yeah, in Say terms, more
0: about who they so, all thought they
1: were. Like very much in this film, you have like, you have a lot of like intelligent, like well-educated mm-hmm. black people, right? Yeah. You know, there's like, at one point there's a character who like is only in there for like one scene. It's like Havlin's. oh I'm Havlin's friend from prep school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
2: remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: like and she's the only one on Team Natural, by the way. Like she's yeah. like Team Natural with the glasses. glasses. Like
0: you people don't understand. Being on Team Natural with the glasses was the wackest look to so many people for the long up until like four years ago, if you had natural hair and I glasses. Say a
1: little bit longer than that. Maybe
0: you think maybe six?
1: Yeah, like yeah. I mean, right? I think I think right, like right before we finished school, shit got popping. I think. Uh, almost. I mean, you might just—I I don't know. Almost, maybe almost, almost. maybe personally. Maybe I was riding almost, a different ways.
0: <laughs> that sounds like something that a tortured black male genius would say. <laughs> Truly, fair
1: enough, but. Yeah. So they like, you have a lot of those type of characters here. And so a a lot of conversation around like, am I about shit? Like, and and I'm talking about this movie and a lot of other movies like it. Uh, but just a lot of talk about like blackness and like, oh, I'm this and I'm thinking about this and I write this way and I do this. Like just a lot of the performance of being a well-educated black person at the time. Yeah. So to see, to see that on display especially now in hindsight to see that on display in a rough film, you know, a yes. lot like with love Jones, that's kind of smoothed over the, by the fact that like, it's like really good directing and, it's, like, and st- like
0: really stylized.
1: Yeah. Stylized. Like, like, so you're like, okay, I roll with this. And yeah. at the time I was like, well, cause man, they this put the you shit. in a
0: world is what they did. Like by stylizing the film, they put you in a world. So you just accept the bougie as fact.
1: Exactly. Uh, but with this one, it's a little, it's a little tougher. It's a little tougher yeah. to roll with, especially in hindsight, listening to these people talk. I'm, I'm like, yo, you like, you need to chill. Like, you really need to kind of get over. It. Like, all of the characters to a certain degree, kind of really needed to get over, over themselves. themselves. Yeah, yeah. And it was just interesting to see that, like, a lot of like not irredeemable characters. Yeah, but you know, a lot of unlikable.
0: Characters. Yeah, almost all the characters were unlikable. Yeah. I still enjoyed the movie. Like, like I, while I was watching the movie, I was like, what the fuck is going on? But I still enjoyed the movie. Yeah, which is difficult to describe. But maybe because some of it feels familiar. Yeah, like I mean, people are like
1: that. I well, don't want to get say, it twisted. Well, The
0: thing is, though, is that like you talk about the performance of bouginess in like those '90s and early 2000s films. Don't get it twisted. People still perform bouginess every day, <laughs> every day. It just looks different now. Now it looks like Instagram. Yeah, I'm I mean, seri- you ain't, I mean, you ain't wrong. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Instagram
1: and Twitter. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of performing going on on the gram and yeah. in these tweets in yeah. the timeline.
0: Yeah. Okay. So here's a thought. So there's like. There's almost a c- weird like class thing going on. I would say there there are like two different planes. So there's like the bougie plane that Hav and her family and her friends are all on, right? And then there's like like a somewhat lower class plane that obviously like Lee is on. Yeah, but also I think that like Michael, like mm, the yeah yeah like the the R and B singer off and on boyfriend of Hav is on. Where like because he seems a little bit more street. Do you know what I'm saying? And because he's living a certain type of celebrity lifestyle, even though he has a lot of money, he's still not seen as the same class as everybody else. Yeah. And like, so there's still some sort of like class disdain, even if people can't hate on him for his money, there's still a class disdain there. And it makes me think about even now, the way that like bougie black people are so performative about, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm bougie till the day I die. uh, As Like for good or for better or worse, whatever. Like I'm trying. Yes. God's working on all of us. God's working on all of us. (laughs) I am a persnickety ass bitch and I love to hike and I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I'm just like all that corny shit that goes along with bougie you know, I mean, I suppose there's going to be some people who take issue with even the use of that word and whatever, but in such a like loose fashion, but whatever. Like, I know that I'm bougie, but like, it's some people that we all know who are constantly performing this mess for all of social media to see on a consistent basis. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with black people traveling, but like, I, but like there's a way in which you can be excited about the trips that you're taking. And there's a way you are showing like, you can't keep up with me. I'm always on these planes. I'm in a jet setting lifestyle. I'm not out here with my weave. I'm not concerned about purses. I spend my money on trips. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not concerned about, getting you know what whatever do you know yeah. what i mean like there's like there's that there's all sorts of black love perf- like performances yeah. because like the older i get the more i'm really realizing that have, having a partner gives you a serious amount of social status social capital, and yeah. yeah exactly and showing you and your partner doing all these bougie things together just gives people the right impression of you and unfortunately gives you more to talk about makes people hold you in higher regard yeah. like It's amazing. It's stunning the amount of middle class and bougie (laughs) performance that I see on a regular basis, but there's like a wrong way to do it. Yeah. And like, there's also like the flip side of black Instagram culture, even with it, even among people who are bougie. So it's like, you know, if your aesthetic is more of like Bravo Housewife, Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah people are not fucking with you. Yeah. You fall more into the, what was the guy's name, Michael Simmons? The, um yeah. yeah, you're more in the Michael Simmons where people can't necessarily get, like they can't necessarily shit on you. Like they know that you're getting on planes and they know that you have stamps in your passport, but like you're not performing your bouginess or your wealth or your money or your way. class status in the correct way. Yeah, it's, it's the same shit now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like you're, I mean, I feel like my takeaway from that is like you're supposed to showcase your carefreeness in a way that also illustrates your wealth
0: yes and And, restraint and your bougie your bougie like restraint muscles
1: but uh but yeah and like like i mean obviously like we see it in this in this specific way and like things like social media have like changed how changed this this performance completely but it's so fun to go back and watch these like same these same conversations and same like issues uh On display in like films like Have Plenty, especially like Love Jones, and like uh, like a bunch of other movies from the time, even Best Man, you know, and like a bunch of the like a bunch of the other ones that we like know and revere. Um, But yeah, that's why. But that's why I feel like Have Plenty is one of those films that like does like it does a great job. Like you can't get lost in the stylized nature. Like you have to focus on what these people are talking about, what these people are
0: doing, and the dialogue isn't bad. It's good. Yeah, the way that he has even the women talking to each other, like without him in the room is not totally, totally off.
1: And I will make a note on that. Interestingly enough, like I read this one article, I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. But that it talked about basically Chinoa Maxwell came through and was like, I saw that, too.
0: (laughs) He was trying to paint Haviland as a huge bitch. And like the real life Haviland, he does. The real life Haviland is like. A married accomplished. successful accomplished yeah. mother now um which it seems like are things that from the film you could see that like
1: she was on the, track too
0: yeah the, she was on track too and that the character herself wanted uh and then it also see those seemed like trappings that despite lee's like general ambivalence about life yeah those seem like things that he wanted to like wanted also totally. and like yeah i just find it i just find it like really really interesting that like he was, like, in this, you know, his, like, late 20s. Like, I'm heartbroken. I'm going to paint this bitch, like, the way...
1: It was a revenge movie, basically. It was
0: it was crazy, though. It was, it was a revenge movie for somebody that I don't think he was ever actually in a relationship with.
1: Like, which is deep on a whole, whole bunch right, of Right, which is,
0: I mean, but that goes into, like... Nice guy, friend zone. Bullshit. Yeah, even just, like, uh, how do you put it? So i dated a few people who have, like, a romantic temperament, as it seems that Lee does, and also the director. Yeah. And, like... There is this idea, like you can, and I think that a lot of men who create have this problem too, where they don't see you as a person and they see you more as a character in the grander narrative mm. of, of the novel life. of their life that no <laughs> one is fucking writing. Do you know oh, what shit. I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. And like, I think that like, and that's a like common, like yeah. I'd say before 25, definitely. Yeah. A, lot you know <laughs> a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. I'm sure you've done it. Like everybody, like, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people do it. But it's like the older that you get when you really meet somebody who's still in that phase Who's like still thinking about a woman who hasn't, who's probably like engaged or married or has children or is about to be engaged or lives in a different country, lives in a different state, hasn't given them the time of day in at least four years. And they're still, it's like, that's that shit is sad in real life. Like fortunately enough for this guy, he's able to make a film out of it. Yeah. But in real life, most people don't get to make films out of it. Most yeah. people don't get to write anything that anybody reads out of it. And it's just sad.
1: Read Juno Diaz, uh, How You Lose Her. Is like, I think, a good illustration of that. Like, in terms of like, so if you think about this, like, torture genius, like, Uh um, so Junior is um, like kind of like the main character. And he, mind you, this book, there are a lot of different narratives. But but yeah, Junior um, is in this relationship and he like basically is not paying attention to this woman and like cheating on her and all this other stuff. And then she leaves him and then he realizes what he has. And he really, really fucking struggles to just let it go. And like yeah. and it, it like fucks up his life for a significant amount of time. But I think it's I think it's a great book that kinda like hits that nail on the head. Uh-huh. L- I mean, less so in the sense that they actually had a relationship.
2: Yeah. But yeah.
1: more so in that like you do at a certain point have to uh, you, you gotta let go and try to like move on with your life because the other person is.
0: Yeah, the other person is. But I mean, I, like, the weird thing is, though, probably the sick thing too, is that I actually enjoy the movie for its emotional honesty, for how, how honest the filmmaker is and how honest Lee the character is about like really feeling like he's got everybody around him figured out. Like, he's spending yeah. the weekend with all these crazy women who are throwing themselves at him and he's got everybody figured out. And. Like, in, like, you as the viewer and me also as, like, a grown woman now watching this, I'm like, you totally don't. Yeah. Like, you totally don't. And you're not necessarily that special. Not saying you're not shit, but, like, you don't have it figured out and you're not that special. But it's interesting to see somebody whose lack of, like, self-awareness, like, sort of keeps them thinking that, like, this is the thing that's nah. happening. I Which can... is cool that Chenoa Maxwell came through and, like, was able to be like, hmm, should be such a bitch. Like, she yeah. is a bitch it's, I mean yeah but I mean but they all seem like reasoned decisions yeah, yeah. yeah like
1: I mean you kind of get it like you know sometimes you're like oh you're a little uptight but like people are uptight but she also is like really about her shit like she's on a path She's she knows what she wants and yeah. she's like moving towards it um, yeah so go have plenty and there's actually one last point that I want to touch on like a theory
0: oh <laughs> um,
1: and then we can then we can bounce of this time period, mm-hmm. this, was a, this was something that doesn't happen anymore. But just as important to the movie as the actual movie itself is the soundtrack. And Have Plenty's soundtrack, I will argue,
0: okay.
1: is the best movie soundtrack to one of these like black films from the time. You That's got, not like, Love Jones? That's not Love Jones. I, no no no, that's not like Boomerang. I actually think the Boomerang is better than the Love Jones soundtrack. I could see that. But, but Boomerang
0: and Love Jones to me are on like a, like their soundtracks are on a much higher. So tr- many children that are in high school now were conceived to a Love Jones soundtrack.
1: Fair. Fair. True. Yeah. Factual statement. But the Half Plenty soundtrack is a sleeper. Like you have Babyface and Desiree, which is the movie they use a, the song they use a lot in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um but you also have like Jay Z is on it. Kelly Price is on it. As Yet is on it. Queen Pen is on it. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Faith is on it. Black Street SW. Black Street. DMX. Chico de Motherfucking Bar. Michigan Stand Up. Changing Faces. Oh, like
0: I'm, I used to miss Changing
1: Faces. Like go back and Erica Badu. Wow. Go back. Listen to the Have Plenty soundtrack. Have Plenty soundtrack. We'll fuck your shit up today.
0: You know, I will say, I will say this thing about the film is that, like, it suffers from the same, like, mess that most films, I think, that are made by, like, jilted young men, period, like, suffer from. But, like, there was so much promise there that I'm actually really disappointed. That, yeah. That he didn't get... Another shot. Two other shots. Yeah. If he had had, like, two more shots with, like, Miramax to make, like, a couple other films... Yeah. Like, and he seems to, like, have some interest in writing about love and heartbreak. And I would be, I would have been really interested to see more from him in that. Like, he did G with, like. He, did G? he actually, did G? I actually didn't know that. G premiered. I'm oh, not premiered. G did have a screening on Howard's campus. I remember the year that I started school. But, yeah, he, he I actually directed think I went G, to go see this. And you probably did. You probably took a girl. Um, <laughs> that seems like, I feel like there are some people I know who are like, oh, I, yeah. And then let's go tickets. talk about it. Exactly. At please. Five Guys. Um, yeah, exactly. oh damn, now I want a burger. um. Yeah, I get this sense that like he just never really got the shots that he deserved, yeah. and like it makes me sad because like there's so many shitty movies that are helmed by like what is that movie where everybody where like Chris Rock and Adam Sandler and all the and the David Spade they all go to camp with their kids grown oh, ups uh, grown
1: ups uh, yeah I
0: think I was made to see that movie by somebody I was there's babysitting like three and we of walked them, yeah we walked out that movie gets to be out and that movie's not that those movies, movies are not probably idea. aren't good and it's like that's fine. But, like, this guy deserved another shot. Yeah. And he didn't need that much money. He didn't need, like, grown-ups money to make probably a decent black romantic comedy. Imagine
1: him with a team. Like, I feel like, I mean, G, w- G was not a good movie, but that seemed like more so because of the script.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, the script was just, like, incomprehensible. So it was based off
0: of, like, The Great Gatsby, which, like, I think is one of those f- tales that, like, like a story itself that, like, it, when you take it out of context, is probably just not, the, like, the actual yeah. story is probably just not that great.
1: That's I mean, that's a fair point. I I mean I do love the Great Gaspian the, the Yeah, uh,
0: like the novel is great, but yeah. I mean the actual bones of like the, the actual plot points of the story if you like... are kinda nonsensical if you yeah. really think about it. Especially in a modern context. Yeah. It's like yeah. the some of the stuff that was happening could only have happened like Back then. Back
1: then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like the twenties, I think. Yeah. But uh but yeah, no, I completely agree. I really wish he would've got I really I would have liked to see the film the next film that he wrote and directed with like a strong team.
0: Yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, one last point on this whole thing. And actually, I feel that, I don't know what Rodney Evans did, actually, now that I think about it after Brother to Brother. But we talked about Love Jones. Love Jones is not on the list. Directed by a black man. Interesting. We may have to, uh, we may have to, I I feel like we've come away from this conversation with two other movies that deserve a full episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, waiting to exhale and Love Jones at some point. Coming soon. Coming soon. (laughs) Uh, But this was great. I really am glad that I got to, like, watch slash revisit these. Yeah, same. It made me wish for more, like, present. I, like, I, I'm happy for, like, Ryan Coogler's and, like, the Ava DuVernay's but, and, like, the D. Ree's. But I'm, like, I want to see some, I want to see some okay stuff. Do you know what I mean? I want to see some yeah, stuff that, it's like... not quite there. Yeah, I want to yeah. see some unpolished work from, I want to I see more unpolished work from black directors. But, yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not really in uh, the hands of black directors. That's in the hands of... <laughs> by gatekeepers so true
1: <laughs> so we'll see
0: yeah we'll but, see uh,
1: in the meantime if you are in the New York area yeah. please do come check us out at the green space uh, we will be doing For Colored Nerds Live on July 14th it is a Thursday it's not going to be too long we're going to nope. get you in there have a whole bunch of fun whole
0: bunch of fun with
1: Ashley Four and Van Newkirk The second, yes uh, yes so come get in get out talk about it Buy your tickets. You can come, you can check, you can get those tickets through our website. We'll link okay. you to the place where you need to go. Um, if you can't do that, please just uh, go to iTunes and leave us You a know, short review. Tell yep. us what you think about the episode or shoot us an email and always you can reach us on Twitter uh, at ForColorNerds. Yep. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye.